Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, we introduce you to special guests who share their personal stories and advice on how to build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their home, community, and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Corlettis, your host. Thank you for joining us again today. Right every week, we gather together to inspire, encourage, and educate moms in their journey through motherhood. We believe that liberty begins at home and that we as mothers are gifted with the most incredible blessing of raising the next generation of patriots. So right at the top of the show, I want to tell you about today's topic. It is saving women's sports. The integrity of women's sports is at stake as we are seeing biological males compete in women's sports all across the country, right? We're seeing this everywhere. If this trend is not stopped, there will be no place for women to complete, compete fairly. Today's guest has a great story of sports herself and a great career in sports. She spent 15 years as a NCAA Division I women's basketball coach. So she is speaking from her own personal experience. This is why this is going to be such an amazing show today. She has also passed legislation, an act to preserve fairness for female sports. Again, that's an act to preserve fairness for female sports. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So I know the moms that are listening are going to be very interested in this topic. Moms want their girls to be able to compete on even playing ground, right? Protecting our girls' athletics is crucial for our daughters. And that's what's a part of being a mama and defending uh, our girls in today's culture. So, but before we get actually talking about this, I wanna take care of a little bit of business um, before I bring her on. So for those of you that are joining us for the very first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're coming back, super duper, welcome back. <laughs> I wanna make sure that you visit our website, momsforamerica.us. Check out all our amazing resources, events, and programs. When you stop by, please make sure you sign up for our newsletter because this is how we stay connected as a community. Also, please become a podcast subscriber. We're on all the formats, uh, video, uh, podcast formats. We've recently been added to the Charisma Podcast Network, so we're thrilled about that as well. We would appreciate it if you share our podcast with the moms that are in your circle um, and are dealing with the same issues that you are in your home and your community. Our goal, right, is to educate and inspire moms all across the country. We believe that moms are the heartbeat of the home and that you moms, you are going to go ahead and save our country. Amen and amen. So on to today's episode, right? Talked about this just a few minutes ago. Female athletes, right, are truly uh, at risk right now. Their hopes and their dreams are being crushed. Women's sports as we know it could be erased. I know this sounds kind of like, wow, could that really happen? Yes, it really could. And when you hear what's happening and what the agenda is, you will really understand this better. This is tragic on so many levels. That's why we are so glad to have this amazing woman joining us today on the Moms for America podcast to discuss this very hot topic. Representative Barbara Ehart will be talking about preserving women's sports and what the future holds for female athletes. So this is going to be a great episode. I'm just thrilled to have you. Thank you so much, Barbara. I should say Representative um, Ehart, but you told me I could call you Barbara. So I'll say welcome, Barbara. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, I absolutely 100% concur that our future really rests in the hands of our moms. Uh, even though this is not what we're addressing, we, or at least people like me and many other legislators, absolutely believe there is a war on women. And let me just say this first, that it is moms are so important and so key to the family that if you destroy what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a mom, you systematically destroy the family. And we know when you destroy the family, mm -hmm. you destroy your community, you destroy right. society, and you hence destroy the nation. So this is important on so many levels that we do our part to make sure that we do not redefine what it means to be a woman. That's right. And how that pertains to sports. Wow. You nailed it. Uh, 100% agreement. We have got to protect um, women, we've got to protect the family. We've got to protect what God's designed, right? He's beautifully designed us all different, but equal. Um, and, 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 you know, it's a crazy world. I mean, we cannot believe that we are actually at this point where we have to discuss and protect women's sports, but I like to start off to today's discussion with a little bit about your personal sports story and your career, because there's something to all of us saying, you know, we need to protect women's sports because our girls need to compete. But when you have been had a career like yourself, you are looking at this through multiple, uh, you're looking at it from a woman's perspective, you're looking at it as a, 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 from a sports perspective, and you're also looking at it as from a legislative perspective. So we count you as such a great resource for us, but tell us a little bit about your sports story and your career, um, because I, I just love to hear this story. It's really great. Okay. No, thank you very much. So I'm sure if I'm talking with you and many moms out there, you're probably all much younger than I am. And uh, uh, so I was born in the 60s and grew up in the 70s. And people don't understand what life was really like for us back then. My opportunities were pretty limited. And that was fine. I always, I never met nor married. I, I got right involved in coaching and that, but I always thought I'd be a mom. And so when I was looking at my opportunities, I, I mean, based on TV, I thought, oh, I could be a secretary. Sorry, I did not want to be a secretary. Or, <laughs> Maybe I could be an airline stewardess. I have no idea where that had, uh, you know, come from, but I absolutely did not want to be an airline stewardess. Maybe a teacher, which was in an area I pursued. But when people would ask me, you know, what do you want to do and be when you grow up? I literally would tell them I wanted to play sports. And I was literally told girls don't do that. And I mean, that's kind of crushing when you just want to play with your brothers and you absolutely, with every fiber of your being, love, love it. And so unbeknownst to me, in 1972, June 23rd, 1972, my life changed when Title IX was passed. I was an eight-year-old child and I continued to pursue my dreams. And lo and behold, I was able to play junior high basketball. That maybe doesn't sound like a big deal, but people don't know how close I was to the point of not being able to do that. So I played junior high, high school. I played collegiately, had a scholarship. I played at Idaho State as a Division I athlete. And then, as you had mentioned, I was able to go on for a 15-year basketball career, coaching at four fantastic wow. institutions, and you know, including UC Santa Barbara, BYU, Washington State, and then back in the Big West as a head coach at Cal State Fullerton. And so um, to, to say sports matters to me is really <laughs> you know, uh, but it, it wasn't just, you know, oven for the sake of sports. There are just so many life lessons to be learned. And so right. as, as we were 
were going through this process, let me kind of share an, in, in a, a couple of interesting things because so many of these major corporations have turned on women and it's mm. all about wokeism. And it's, as a matter of fact, when we passed the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, first of its kind, I couldn't find um, any other, I, I worked for two years on this, trying to find other legislation or other words. Or I mean, it was a long process. I hit up about 12 to 15 excuse me, pro-family groups looking for help and nobody could help me. Wow. Excuse me. And um, and so finally, I had reached back to Alliance Defending Freedom where they had helped me realize we could at least proceed forward because of, you know, a, you know could Idaho insert itself in the, <clears throat> I'm sorry about this, sorry. That's okay. Could Idaho insert itself in the Idaho High School Activities Association uh, in, in determining that uh, as they call it, transgender, I, I call it biological boys, could we keep them from playing? Well, it turns out, you know, they helped me find a concussion policy where we had inserted ourselves. And, and that was all Alliance Defending Freedom had done. And then I kept going forward, found somebody who helped me with some language. I went back to Alliance Defending Freedom to say, hey, what do you think about this? And they literally then decided to get on board and to help write model legislation. And it wasn't until 2020 that we really started to move it uh, through. And, you know, it was during this that, that of course, everybody turned on Idaho because we were really, you know, the main ones leading out and, and the opposition to this, um, we didn't like now when states bring this forward, we've got coalitions, we've got groups, we have people right. testifying. I'm testifying. There's a support team. There's oh, more education, there, yeah, more awareness. Team. But it when you started me. this, right. That when you started discussing this and pushing for, like you said, for legis model legislation, this was kind of cutting edge. Oh, yes. Right. So, so now you, you saw, you saw the problem coming full steam ahead to really erase women and, and to just redefine women's sports. There's yes. so, I can't wait to, to talk. There's so many things that roll off of this subject, but I, I do want to have you just tell us a little bit about the house bill 500 known okay. as the fairness of women's sport act, sports act, what it is and what you were trying to accomplish. And I like to know the ages too, because this isn't just for um, middle school. This is going all the way through higher ed. So tell us about the bill so we understand it. Well, um, without getting too detailed, the, the bill starts out by legislative findings. In other words, those things that scientists have already stated and that we know to be true, including the fact that people like Allison Felix have been with her best time has been beaten Two, three thousand times by by uh, males. So we start out with scientific findings, and then when we get into the heart of the legislation, essentially what it says is that all teens will be recognized as either uh, girl, you know, female, girl, women, male, boys, men, or co-ed, and that you cannot uh, a male cannot play on a female team and then we we essentially defined it uh you know and, and let me just say originally some people were like oh make sure you get the birth certificate right and i knew from what had happened uh before in texas i said we are not using a birth certificate so we talk about chromosomes xxxy 
We wow. talked about hormones and okay. then we talked about just the physiological makeup of the body. And, and so we defined that. And then we also gave a cause, a cause of action at the end so that if a female was displaced or harmed, that she would have cause of action if that school or entity didn't enforce the law as prescribed in um, oh, okay. the legislation. There's your safety net. Okay. Yep. Yep. And, and so in a nutshell, that is, that is how we proceeded forward since that time. Certainly there are a few adjustments in each state because you, you know, there are certain things that uh, may be triggered a little more. It is uh, K through 12 and higher ed. Most of the other states who are adopting this, such as just um, two days ago, uh, Arizona's governor uh, Dushi and then Oklahoma's Governor Stitt both signed the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, K through 12 and higher ed. We're thrilled to see that. The, uh, but there are a couple of states that only have K through 12 and they are currently working on adding the higher ed because, I mean, do you just stop protecting right. women once they turn 18? I mean, that right. makes absolutely no sense. No so sense. so right. in, in, in essence, that, that's what was in the bill. There were some nuances that having been involved in athletics, that helped me and helps me to be able to go and testify in other states when the opposition likes to say certain things over and over and over that certainly isn't true, such as, oh, you know, this is going to hurt. They, they, they use the word cisgender other than to use their word to explain. I never use that word. They like to uh, purport to say that our girls and women could also be hurt by this because someone in the stands may stand up and say, hey, that that's not um, a real girl. She looks too masculine and then purports to say that she could be drug off the court. And so I one of the advantages I have is to explain that uh -huh. there are processes already in place by which uh, a lot of qualifications are already necessary that go through athletic directors that these are absurd comments that will never happen. Uh, as a matter of fact, most of our athletic directors primarily deal with boundary qualifications did the student are they actually in the boundary do they actually have the right gpa if they're wrestling at a 105 pound weight class are they cheating right. and wrestling at 205 i mean you know they're already processes in place so they're exactly. just narratives that the other side continually brings up right and they they do a great job and in, in, in their yeah, messaging and that's really that is what we're always combat combating is they either take over the language or they have a false narrative that they push so strongly. So 12 other states, is that correct, have adopted a variation of this bill? We have 14 states right now. 14 now. Oh, because of 14. You must yep. just be thrilled. <laughs> I, mean, I, I am thrilled. Uh, I, I am very thrilled. You know, this year we had South Dakota, uh, Governor Christy Nome after kind of the debacle of uh, excuse me, a year ago made that her first priority and hers is the full thing. It's K through 12 and higher ed. So we had Christy Nome, we had uh, Governor Kim Reynolds in Iowa, full thing, uh, Utah overrode their governor, uh, which was, you know, awesome to see, you know, Governor Cox cries tears for biological boys not being able to, to participate. And I'm like, where are the tears for the girls? Right. This is absurd. And then of course we had Arizona, Oklahoma. Wow. Well, congratulations. Thank you for Thank being you. a warrior, right? That's what we need. We need um, we, we, we need to rally behind you. We need to pass uh, this information to all of our moms all across the state. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the podcast. 
But here's one thing that I, I, I read somewhere. It said that, and I think it's higher, but it says multiple polls have stated that about 60% of Americans believe that biological males should not be participating in women's sports. I think, do you think that that 60% or do you think that that's higher? What are you hearing as you're traveling the country about biological males competing in women's sports? Is it higher than 60%? Oh, absolutely. I believe it's higher than 60%. This is an issue that crosses all lines, uh, you know, until it's politicized. But the, the Democrats, Republicans, all together, those who have daughters, those who have sisters and mothers, absolutely believe that it is unfair okay. for their daughters to have to compete against biological men. As a matter of fact, during the 2020 campaign, the 10 battleground states, which included states like Michigan and uh, Pennsylvania, um, uh, the Carolinas, uh, you know, some of these states, the polling in those states across the board hit at 75-25 in favor of protecting biological girls from, um, you know, men competing in our sports. So absolutely, I believe the polling absolutely is higher. And just on a common sense, person-to-person -person conversation, nobody wants to see this. So, no. and, and you know what, when you, uh, which I know you're going to bring up later, but even when you uh, go to events such as watching Leah Thomas, the swimmer from Penn, swim, and at the end of the meet, either everybody's booing or nobody applauds when Leah gets the award and huge eruption takes place for Emma Wynett when she receives her second place award because we all know she right. won. Right. Well, let's so. talk about that now because you were there, right? I did. I, I decided in the session I left for uh, two days to fly down to Atlanta, Georgia and join Best Seltzer with Save Women Sports and others. We had both a protest and we had a press conference that I thought was well attended. And so I did get to go in and watch uh, Leah Thomas swim in the uh, preliminaries. And we I it, it was, I, you know, Leah Thomas is about the size of Michael Phelps. And I keep hearing, I'm, I'm right? sure that you guys have seen the pictures. Yes. It is absolutely striking. I find it interesting that as soon as Leah is done swimming, Leah puts on Leah's jacket that covers the broadness of the shoulders and all the way down through the body and covers up immediately. Even in the victory pictures, you'll see that on. And I think that's important because in the water, you don't see the distinguishing features as well as you do outside the water. So I, you know, just little things like that. You're like, Hmm, yeah, somebody's, somebody's told right, you. Cause we're talking about the body. We're yep, talking we about the physical makeup of a person. Um, so I am sure that that was incredible to be there. When, when we talk about this, because that's another thing we're just bringing up, right? There's such obvious facts regarding the difference between the male body and the female body, right? They're denser, stronger bones, ligaments, their, their heart, their lung capacity. I mean, I've heard so many cases from coaches and people that have competed in sports uh, stating the obvious, but how, how is that getting disregarded and why is that becoming a non-issue? Why is it not an issue? Yeah, the absurdity of the arguments that the other side uses has almost been entertaining. To be honest, the success of Leah Thomas has done more to you know get the movement going and I really right. helped think that Leah Thomas helped get uh, get things over the top for the legislators to override Cox in, in Utah to push things through in Oklahoma mm -hmm. and in Arizona. And I think we're still going to yet see it uh, possibly come back around in Indiana. 
possibly yet in Kentucky and some other states. And, mm-hmm. and you know, but one of the things, if I may say, that I kind of have fun with as I testify in these other states is I decided I wasn't doing this right away, but to take the words that the other side uses and to okay. show the absurdity of them. And so you will often hear, well, always hear that sports is about community and it's about the humanity and it's about the inclusion. And that's what sports is about. So we should allow everybody. And I'm like, what? That's not what sports is about. Good heavenly days. It's about competition. It's about winning. (laughs) If it wasn't about competition and winning, then players wouldn't be cut and coaches wouldn't be fired. I mean, you know, so I, I, that's one of the things I'll address early on. And I tell you, as we listen to the rest of the hours and hours and hours of testimony, people are triggered by that because we go right at the heart of what their argument is and just, you know, show the fallacy in the thinking. And so certainly we, we don't want to be engaged and always replying to that, which they bring up and instead using, I have my own arguments mm-hmm. that I point out and use because certainly we have Aaliyah Leah Thomas, but right here in, our neck of the woods, we have June Eastwood and June Eastwood. And if you don't mind, let me, um, this helps really point out why this continues to be harmful, that it's not just a matter of, it's just one person. Mm -hmm. So June Eastwood competed at the University of Montana for three years as John Eastwood, as runner in cross country and also as a track athlete. And of course, much like Leah Thomas, John's times uh, running for the men were yeah, pretty average, pretty mediocre. And so then John's senior year, John decides to run as June for the University of Montana. A lot of interesting things happen in the process of June running, including we have testimony from like uh, Linnea, I'm going to forget her last name. She runs for uh, Southern Utah University and has testified at, at the Utah legislature, as have others, that as they were running, and particularly in across the country, that they heard June's coach say, we got this, slow down. In other words, they didn't want June to be blowing everybody away. But when it came time to the indoor 1600 or mile championships at the big, the big sky championships held in Pocatello, Idaho, where I attended school, June Eastwood annihilated absolutely annihilated our women to win that championship and had COVID not shut things down June would have gone on to be the champ NCAA national champion not a doubt in my mind now why is so this again important? three years competing male yes. last year transitions now is able to go ahead take all of that skill which you're saying was mediocre in 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 his division and just smoke all of the girls annihilate and june also towers over the women just like leah does not the case but 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 let me let so in the world of sports let me tell you why this is important uh because as i tell people in the world of sports we are a peat and repeat and what works for one works for the other and so if june just like leah if june had decided Mm -hmm. to compete as a female or identify you're not really identify as a female and compete june's freshman year I promise you that every school in the Big Sky Conference, in order to compete, would have been forced to systematically go out and recruit someone to compete against June. So to think this is just a one time, hey, we got to help them feel good about themselves. No, we don't. Because now they're going to be every school and that's just starts in the big sky. Then everybody else that those schools play are going to have to do the same thing in order to compete. And it will not. And if one's good, why not two? 
Exactly. I heard you speak to this in a video and you were so compelling because recruiting is a part of sports, right? Competing equal for equal. I mean, this is what coaches do, right? You're yeah. a coach. You yeah. know that you've got to figure out who's going to size up, who can compete against this person. So if we have a, a transgender, another transgender, another transgender, all of a sudden, where do we stop? What is the outcome? And biological males all of a sudden are dominating female teams. Yep. And where, where have we gone? And some, some of the moms out there might be saying, is that really possible? Yes. It surely is, right? A hundred percent. And and can I share another thought with you? Uh, yes. And this is really an important thought. Uh, I refuse to use the other side's language. I really do. I'll be, uh, June and Leah officially changed their name to June and Leah. I'll call them that, but I will not call them she. And the other thing during all these testimonies, I, if I've heard it once, I've heard it over because a trans girl is a girl, a trans woman is a woman. And you know what language matters? Let me give you a quick example for you and all your readers or, or listeners that mm-hmm. I use when I'm coaching. In trying to make the point of how powerful the mind is, I would suggest, mind is, I'd suggest to all of you, hey, you know, do you, are, do you have a strong mind? Are you in control of yourself? And I dare say you and everybody else will say yes, right? And mm-hmm. so then I say, okay, then then follow me on this. Don't think, don't think about a great big pink purple dotted elephant with its long trunk reaching out to drink a can of Coca-Cola. What does your mind see? Your mind sees a great big pink purple dotted elephant with its long trunk reaching out to drink a can of Coca-Cola. In other words, you can't differentiate between don't, won't, can't, wouldn't, the mind doesn't do it. It sees the picture you painted. Mm -hmm. And so when we refer to these biological males as a transgender girl or a transgender woman, the mind sees a picture of a girl or a woman. And the fact of the matter is they are not. And it's not being mean, it's just being factual. I will not refer to nor use those words. They are a biological boy, a biological male, and I will call them respectfully by their, their official name, but I will not refer to them using the other language for the reason I just uh, pointed out. Because when we do that, again, it's we the diminish- the power of the picture. It's the picture the in the The power of the I picture, understand. and we diminish what they're doing to I our sport. Yep. When we look at this, as far as uh, one of the things I was kind of wondering is, are we addressing this on a federal level level as well? Or is it better to go state by state? I actually work for a legislator myself, so I understand the power of states, um, you know, handling these issues. What's happening on the federal level? And and is, I guess, really, what is what are your thoughts on that? Well, when I first brought it, of course, President Trump was still our president and William Barr actually issued uh, letters of support and the, um, you know, the Secretary of Education and those below actually issued supporting, uh, um, you know, letters and, and started to move along those lines. We, we also had a couple of legislators, including, um, oh my goodness, uh, what's your name from Hawaii, uh, Gabrielle Tulsi. Yeah, uh, yes, we even she had gotten on board with uh, Matt Wayne, I forget his name from Oklahoma to to issue legislation in support of this. But as we can see from the current administration, they are they are issuing a war on women. I I don't even know how else you can say it. It is a national war on women. And so it's always been incumbent on the states to step up. States have to lead the way. And you know what? 
that states need to step up and declare their sovereignty because we are sovereign states and we can buoy each other up. And when when Florida, when Governor DeSantis last year had this legislation brought before him, he looked right. at his secretary, I mean, his uh, house speaker and said, so, um, you know, NCA doesn't like this. No, he goes, good, let's sign it. I mean, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, I mean, come on, it doesn't hey, he's matter. so good, isn't he? Yeah, uh. no, he's, he has been awesome. And, and that's what one of the messages we're trying to send to these other states. They are so worried that the NCA is going to come down. The NCA is not coming down on anyone. Uh, they had their opportunity and we fought it after we signed it as the only state here in Idaho. We got uh, female uh, former athletes and athletes on board. We gathered, I mean, the ACLU did a lot of stuff because they have a lot of resources. We just had ours. And with our national coalition, I even uh, had Martina, that's a whole other story, but was able to get <laughs> Martina Navitrilova on board and she headed up our list that we sent wow. to the NCAA. And, and, and so we were not punished. And, and now as all these other states have gotten on board, what are you going to do? Tell Florida with the ACC and the SEC, you know, with the athletics that take place there that, oh, you know, we're we're not going to allow you to host any events. No, you're not going to tell Florida that. You're not going to tell Texas sure. that. You but know, they like to intimidate. Stuff. They like to throw their power yes. around. Can yeah. here? I have another question too, Barbara. So this is in 14 states right now. Yes. The other grouping of states. Um, where does this pan out for them? Obviously, we're gonna we're hoping and praying that other states jump on and, and do a variation of this. But can do schools vote on this? Do school boards vote on this? Um, is this the campus? What happens nope. in these other states? Well, I, 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 it, it, I mean, the, the school boards or the regents may speak up. Uh, fortunately, ours did not. They understood the, the will of the legislature was moving forward. Uh, but we certainly had corporations and entities saying, don't do it. It's we're going to lose. Everybody's going to move from Idaho where it's going to be a huge economic uh, disadvantage. And like, it's not going to be an economic disadvantage at all. at all. As a matter of fact, Idaho is a number one state in the nation growth. We just had a $1.9 billion surplus that had nothing to do with ARPA money based on everybody coming here. So we not only were not hurt economically, I am telling you, people are also moving here because they want to be in a state that supports our constitution, protects traditional family values, and certainly stands up for women in this manner. So those states that are doing this are being blessed. Um, but, you know, as, as you were kind of, if, if I am understand part of the rest of the uh, question right. that you were asking. One thing people don't understand. So when the legis legislature enacts this is I stood on the floor and said, and this is what I said, this legislation is for Idaho only. And since it was in real time in 2020, I said, so we can still have other members of the big sky come to Idaho, come to the big sky championships in Pocatello at Idaho state, uh, June Eastwood, is still allowed to come to Idaho and compete a biological male uh, in the women's division. June Eastwood is still allowed from the University of Montana to come to Idaho and win and annihilate our women. However, what we're saying is for our athletes in Idaho, our scholarships will be reserved for women and our spots on the teams in uh, K through 12 will be reserved for girls. We will protect our women. We can't force other states to, they can still come in and do their thing, but for Idaho, we will protect our girls and women. Right, so the main way of addressing this is legislation state by state across the country. 
yes. can't rely on uh, anything happening federally. And school boards, uh, leadership at, at universities, they can comment, but they can't decide Correct. unless legislation has been passed. So it really is a huge deal. Um, do, do you look at the future? What do you see when you when you look at the future, Barbara? Do you see that women's sports are going to be erased? Do you think that there is enough solid moms and dads and legislators to, to rise up and, and athletes? I mean, this is something that athletes need to be speaking up as, as well, started right? To. Yep. No, they, they, they started to because they, rec especially former athletes, recognizing, oh, on, you know, right. when, when Leah Thomas is running, we're, we're looking at people like Katie Ledecky, a beloved American icon in swimming and having her national record erased um right. when you when you're asking what do i see on the horizon i certainly right. believe that we're going to have more states jump in but mm -hmm. this war <clears throat> that we're seeing certainly playing out in sports is happening on a much larger basis and i i certainly believe we are headed absolutely for a a huge conflict and sides are already being drawn i will continue to focus on my narrow niche of this, which is protecting opportunities for girls and women. And, and, and uh, because I know that has a larger purpose, you know, and it's that demarcation, that line in the sand uh, upon which I think others can build, you know, um, uh, other, other important features, but, you know, sports just, it resonates with moms and dads and, oh, you know, sure. all my kids see, play sports, you know, yeah, all, yeah. I'm still in the midst of it. You know, I still got a high schooler. I mean, we know the value of sports. We know the value of that community. We know this, the skills, you know, we know what it does for someone to have uh, the opportunity to compete and to strive and to get better and to win and to support. I mean, come on. We, we, we know that this is e essential to our children. Yeah. I think it's actually more essential to girls than it mm -hmm. is to boys. Um, in 1990, yeah, in 1995, when I was coaching at UC Santa Barbara, Nike came out with a groundbreaking commercial. You can, you all can Google it or play it at your next one. It's called, if you let me play. And it was a 30 second commercial that, you know, if you let me play, if you let me play sports. And then it went through a couple of inherent, uh, key factors for girls that are absolutely have nothing to do with biological boys. One, if you let me play sports, I'll be something like 60% less likely to get breast cancer. That is a female trait. Two, uh, I will be more likely to leave a man that beats me. Three, I will be less likely to get pregnant before I want to. And there are other advantages. Now, that's just some of the inherent physiological. But when you look at what it does for our, our young girls and, you know, as they go from that young age up through high school, some will get to compete at college. But even just the opportunity to play in high school, 95% of our female CEOs, 95% participated in sports that right. is not accidental especially uh in what is still and I, i'm not demeaning it but in what is still a male world if we are right. to be able to work alongside men with our inherent differences which i think you mentioned initially and i agree heavenly father made us different yeah. And it should be celebrated, not denigrated. Right. And so if we are to work alongside our male counterparts, we have to be able to do so with confidence. And the other thing that sports, as you mentioned all that, keep this in mind, that one of the best um, 
traits I think it helps teach us, and particularly for girls, is it teaches conflict resolution. Mm. How you don't get to work through conflict resolution <laughs> and band, you know, though right. I 100% support band, oh, but right, conflict resolution comes between you and your coach, oftentimes, you and your right. teammates. It oh. certainly becomes from you and the opposition when you play, and even you and the referee. There's just a lot of ability to work right. through that, and it's key for our development. Right. And think about just the fact of winning and losing. Yes. Getting better, yes. setting goals, right? Yes. My daughter always competed in junior high. She'd always did three sports a year. I mean, she went from sport to sport to sport. She loved it. She loved the the girls. She loved it. She just loved everything about it. She loved traveling. She loved, you know, just the whole thing. The, yeah. the uniforms that just, you know, just yes. working together, right? You've got to lock arms. You got to figure out how you're going to work as a team. So we all know the value of sports. And like you yeah. said, if, and there might be even just a whole skill set just for our girls. That's yes. special and true for them to help them as they are developing, you know, all their great traits and their leadership and their character. So, yep. um, you know, the moms that are listening, I guess we could, we, we, we want to give them some takeaway too, right? They can, what would you, what would be some advice that we can help preserve the integrity of women's sports? Is it calling their state legislators? Is it putting rallies together? Is it writing? Is it calling? What would you suggest to the moms that are listening? Well, yes, thank you for um, asking me. I I've also want to add one more thing that I think moms need to recognize, and I think moms recognize it, and that is don't buy into the false narratives. Another false narrative that moms need to, just with their own eyes, they can see, it's this idea that all of this changes at puberty and hunts the puberty blockers and yada, yada, yada. And if they have a biological boy, uh, doesn't go through puberty and then wants to identify as a girl, he's fine. That is entirely not true. I run camps and clinics and have for years, even leagues for the little kids. And I, I will get a an all kindergarten boys team and an all kindergarten first grade girls team. And I moved the all kindergarten, mm-hmm. I mean, the all first grade girls down to the kindergarten because they can't play with all the boys. They're knocking them over, grabbing the ball, going up and down the court, running around as crazy. And the girls stand there and cry. And it happens and repeats itself over and over and over. So the first thing our moms need to do is make sure we don't buy into the false narratives. We know what we know. Our kids are different and it's okay. And, and then, you know, do look for opportunity to, to get involved. You can say, write your legislators. I would even take it a step farther because I'll get hundreds and hundreds of emails a day and I can't always see them. So possibly look when your legislators are home grab a group of moms, uh, I mean, big group, and where you've already prepped, invite your local legislators to come and join in this conversation as to why this is important to you so they can see you face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball. Ask them what they're doing. Find maybe your neighboring um, state that's that's running the legislation and Mm hook up with some of the moms in the uh, state next door. What did they do that was successful? If you have a Democrat governor that you feel is going to veto, then you work the ground game to get enough legislators to override. But you have to let them know. And I think it's more than just letters, emails. We don't, I I don't know. I I can't read all of them. I miss them. I try. So that that face-to-face contact, I think, is huge. Yes, and I agree. And I do want to just say that too, that legislators like yourself, when, uh, when, when constituents call their legislators, the office, and they talk to them about a bill or passing a similar bill, that is very powerful too, because 
When the community rises up, the constituents say this is a concern, the legislators will listen. They have to. We don't know exactly what the outcome will be, but pushing forward with your legislators in your states, demanding that uh, we preserve female sports is really something that the moms have to be on the forefront of fighting yep. if we want to save it, right? Yep, ha absolutely. Get get together and go make a trip to the Capitol. If you bring a bunch of women from your area or even mm -hmm. at the Capitol, they have to pay attention to you. Where, again, maybe you receive that phone call, but you're literally running to your next committee meeting. You can't talk. It's just right. not possible. But when they come and they're there for the day, knowing that you are not in committee meetings all day long, you are. And then when they're on the floor and you're up in the gallery, you know, looking down and they know, mm, you know, I, mm. I see you, um, I, you know, or go to the Capitol. And I know sometimes it's not easy, but it can also be fun. So yeah, yeah I, I, oh, I, I still appreciate your offering the opportunity to share with moms what they can do. But, um, and, and can I say one other thing? Sure. Be present in your kids' lives at school because we know that agendas are being pushed unbeknownst to our parents. And I'm sure you've addressed it where, yes, we have. where okay, because we don't want them all of a sudden telling um, <clears throat> little Johnny that, you know, he could be a girl if he wants to. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We're trying to help these moms day by day because this culture is really just really incredible. We, we just are constantly encouraging our moms that you are the ones that are teaching your children these are your parental rights are, are, are a gift and do not let anyone tell you that you don't have that position in your child's life because yes. it's the mamas that really are teaching and raising the next generation. So I'm going to mention about our program, but I did want to thank you, Barbara, for joining us. Thank you for fighting for our girls. Thank you for fighting for women's sports and for the future of female athletics. I mean, we appreciate you. You're a warrior. I appreciate that. Thanks for letting me come on. I love moms. That's <laughs> where that's the front line. So thank yeah. you. Thanks so much. And to the rest of the moms that are listening, I want to encourage you. We just talked about the importance of moms being engaged. I want to encourage you to check out our signature project meeting, a project called Cottage Meetings. It's 12 inspiring lessons that help mothers learn about America's amazing history and heritage. These principles of liberty will help you, mom, build a foundation of freedom in your home, in your family, and in your community. Um, the Cottage Meeting, again, is on our website, which is momsforamerica.us. Um, you know, like we said here today, mom, the precedent is being set. Women do have to have a protected space to compete. Barbara talked about it so eloquently. So let's do what we can in our states by contacting our representatives, standing up for our girls, and most of all, having our voices be heard on this important, important issue. So we thank you for joining us. Um, we love you. Please like, subscribe, share this with the moms that are in your circle and your community. And as always, let's keep changing our world one home at a time. Mm -hmm.